0: hello and welcome to ask the oracle the official iron sworn rpg podcast and welcome back this week we're taking a look at continuing our co-op campaign with my friend and offspring matt click <laughs>
1: hey everybody
0: is that how you get introduced to uh, everybody all the time my friend and offspring or is it just yeah
1: me? my friend my friend and offspring
0: yeah so thanks for coming back, Matt. So just a reminder, this is a series of episodes where we're going to sort of dive in and do a Ironsworn co-op campaign. So me and Matt playing a GM-less campaign within the default setting of the Iron Sworn role-playing game, which is the Iron Lens. Uh, last week's episode, we took a look at character or world building rather. I think we came out with a few ideas out of that exercise, it seems like.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, I've got a pretty good idea going in, kind of what that kind of character I want to make here, so.
0: Cool. So we're going to go through the character building process. And the first step in that is just envision and sort of think about your character. There's a couple of ways you can do that. One is just think about a concept, right? Like, what is this person like? What are their sort of skills? What's their background? What's their personality and nature? And then you set your the mechanical aspects of your character. So the stats and the assets, which we'll talk about as we work through that um, to sort of fit that. The other is just the assets are all relatively thematic and lend itself to sort of understanding your character character's background and culture and skills. So sometimes it just a matter of going through those and, and just seeing what jumps out at you. And it's like, oh, you know, I do that. So you sort of start with archetype, select assets and stats based on that, or start with the assets and then envision your character based on that selection. Maybe let's start, uh, if we can sort of take a little bit of a look back at the last week's exercise, the world building exercise. Matt, maybe you can remind us of sort of where we ended up in some of the broad strokes of our setting.
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, when we went through the world building worksheet, the truths worksheet, um, we decided a few kind of notable things. We decided that uh, the Ironlands are called what they are because there are these like strange iron pillars sort of dotting the land and maybe even settlements that have grown up around these pillars. Uh, and in fact, there's sort of like a burgeoning religion known as the Iron Priests that have uh, sort of gaining prominence uh, in recent times. Uh, we decided that Uh, There are old settlers here that came before us that uh, sort of went mad as a result of these pillars, although we don't necessarily know that, but that's sort of like a world building idea that we came up with. Uh, We decided that the communities of the Ironlands are sort of squabbling with one another, that there are these clan chiefs that sort of rule and uh, even have war bands that are sort of battling each other. Uh, we decided that magic is rare and powerful, so that magic is, is a real thing. People are aware of the existence of magic, uh, but it is like kind of a rare thing. Uh, we decided that there are widespread beasts uh, even uh, used in battle as beasts of burden, mounts, that sort of thing. Uh, and I think those were kind of the main points that we sort of fell upon there.
0: Yeah, I think sort of the main themes are, are sort of coalescing... To me, around three main things. One is this idea of war bands and sort of active conflict and warfare in a world like the old, like conflicts of the past, like all the old world stuff. Like after a couple of generations now, people are like settling into this place mm-hmm. and now all these old, old alliances and old enemies and everything else is sort of reemerging now. Yep you know, which I think probably threatens the future of our people just based on the fact that, you know, we're in this inhospitable place. We shouldn't have time to be fighting amongst ourselves, but there we are doing it anyway. Yep, exactly. And then the uh, the other is beasts in the setting as, as a fairly prominent part of the setting and maybe being a part of even people's daily lives in terms of not only these war bands, but maybe a presence in villages like as beasts
1: of burden and yeah.
0: things like that. So-
1: farmers like c- carrying stuff on backs of mammoths and stuff like that yeah yeah. Totally.
0: and then the other is just some of this latent threats the idea of the scold is this background of, of uh, what sent us to this land of mm-hmm. their armies basically running rampant over the old world and driving us here um, and then these pillars is like a potential threat of something is emerging there and and what does it all mean mm-hmm. it May or may those things may or may not play into our game we'll sort of see but they're there and they'll potentially lead us in a direction based on prompts from the oracles and such that oh that that connects to this thing so what does that mean in terms of the current situation yeah so very cool. I like all that. There's a little bit of a, like a Glenn C- Cook sort of Black Company thing happening here, yeah. I think, which I'm digging. So I like that aspect of it, like war bands, like leveraging beasts and magic and, yeah, you know, iron to uh, fight amongst each other.
1: Yeah, it's kind of different in tone than I would have imagined that we would have went with. I, I like you were mentioning, like I, I would have pictured us kind of going with the default sort of like starting in a settlement and like a monster shows up or something like that. But yeah. we're like kind of playing with like intrigue and battles and stuff like that and that's that's sort of neat. It's a different tone than I than I thought we would kind of fall upon. So
0: Totally. And that that I think gives us a little bit of a starting point for our characters because I think we're both picturing our story starting in the aftermath of some cataclysmic event for our war band, right? Where we're one of the few survivors or the only survivors. Maybe we're one of the few survivors and our first thing is to go get help or maybe we're maybe the only survivors and our quest is to return our you know, reform our war band. Uh, who knows, we'll talk through that, and maybe use some Oracle prompts to get some ideas around sort of like what is our starting situation and what does that mean in terms of our vows. I think it at least gives us some framing for our characters that we have to be, we have to fit into this war band somehow. So we have to have some role in the war band. We know each other, which is good because we don't have to have that awkward start of like introducing our characters and Mm, totally understanding how we're going to work together and why we're going to be motivated along the same path. It gives us an automatic common goal that feels natural and organic, I think, to a story. Yeah. So all that said, are you, have you been thinking about anything in terms of like what kind of character might vibe with you?
1: Yeah. Uh, I hit. I have been, I kind of, I have a really fun idea for a character and I kind of, I want to run it by you here. Um, So we had talked last time about the idea of the clans kind of leveraging, you know, both beasts and uh, users of magic in their warband. So being able to essentially like sway a magic, someone capable of doing magic over to your warband is like, they're basically an asset for your for your warband. So uh, these clan chiefs kind of like promising, you know, gold, riches, or, you know, kind of whatever to these magic users and being able to have them join their war band is, as these kind of weapons of war. I really like the idea of my character maybe being a magic user. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was looking through the assets and I found kind of a cool combination and I want to run it by you. And I think it can kind of play upon some of the stuff that we decided in our truths worksheet last time. Uh, I like the idea that my character is maybe descended from the scold, Okay. and that perhaps the Skald were magic users. And that's one of the reasons why
0: oh, yeah, we
1: fled is because they were capable of magic and we weren't. And so yeah, my- Yeah, that's cool. My character has Skald blood, which makes him able to wield magic. And I'm kind of, I'm taking inspiration from uh, Elric, a Michael Moorcock character mm-hmm. the sort of- mm-hmm. Classic sword and sorcery character. He's uh, descended from this like ancient empire, and he has this badass sword called Stormbringer. Right. So I'm looking at two assets here. I'm looking at Keen, and I'm looking at Bladebound. And I'm wondering if maybe me descended from the scald, I have some sort of ancient Skald blade that is... Some sort of enchanted weapon that I use, wielding magic and steel in combination.
0: I like that a lot. I like several aspects of that. I like I like the idea that the scold are actually the ma- magic users in this setting. So we're sort yeah. of looping back to the world building a little bit and saying, oh yeah, there are people of power in the setting. But in our setting those are the scold. so not only does it carry the suspicions and fear that people would have of somebody who can perform rituals and wield magic but it also carries all the stigma of being part of the culture people that were what drove them to this awful place
1: yeah and it kind of there's like some cool kind of baked in conflict there because these like descendants of the skull would be incredibly valuable and like sought after but they'd also Mm -hmm be kind of like feared and reviled and yep. like i imagine that despite being an asset to a war band uh scald would also be kind of an outcast even among the soldiers that they're fighting alongside totally
0: love every part of that
1: yeah so that's kind of what i'm thinking for my guy okay
0: why don't you read us uh could you remind me of the first default abilities for both of those assets yeah
1: so with keen um it's a ritual so it's it's a uh, magic um when you hold a weapon and sing a keen for those at its kill. Roll heart. On a strong hit, the wielder inflicts plus one harm when they strike or clash. If they roll a one on their action die when making a move to inflict harm, the magic is spent. On a weak hit, as above, but the voices of those who were slain join in your song. Endure stress. Cool. So we'll talk about
0: sort of all the mechanics of that when we see it in yeah. action, and what the basic sort of terminology around strong hits and weak hits means in the context of Iron Torrent, because we're using this as a little bit of a learning exercise, but mm-hmm. uh, I like that. Another aspect of that to consider in terms of your role in the war band is that that's, that's a ritual that could not only apply to your weapon, the weapon you carry, but other people's weapons. So yeah. I could see you like applying keen to people's weapons you know, before the
1: fight. Yeah. And then the uh, the other one that I'm looking at is blade bound, which is a path. And uh, this one says, once you mark a bond with a kin blade, a sentient weapon imbued the spirit of your ancestor. Um, and the first option here is when you enter the fray or draw the circle while wielding your kin blade, take plus one momentum on a hit on a hit yep very cool i think
0: that fits nicely um just taking a little bit of a step back and and talking about sort of how assets are grouped you mentioned a couple things there assets are basically categorized into four categories there are companions which tend to be animal companions Mm-hmm. which accompany you on your adventures and can aid you when you take action there are paths which are represent things like your background and skills choices you've made in terms of like your role within this world there are combat talents which are kind of what it says on the tin those are your combat more combat specific skills which are usually themed around a particular weapon and then there are rituals which are the representation of magic spells in this world which because by default iron sworn is a little bit lower magic a little grittier they're necessarily assumption that you're not firing fireballs and magic missiles per yeah. se these are preparation things that give you sort of subtle bonuses and insight later so you yeah. sort of take time and perform a ritual and envision how that ritual is enacted and then depending on how the ritual goes you either you know get some benefits or you have to suffer you know some drawbacks um, so you've got one from the path category and one from the ritual category there yeah I think both those sound great and another aspect of your path choice one aspect of characters is what we call a bond when you create a character you establish three bonds which are just your links to the world be it people or settlements um bonds give you a mechanical bonus in the game they also are something that sort of fuels the end game move if you will which is when you retire bonds you formed are actually what sort of fuels like the mechanical outcome of when you retire do you get what you envision for your character right. um, do things go as you had hoped or planned or do you find yourself uh, lost and alone for forever you know yeah. or something <laughs> something in between those two choices yeah so um bonds are sort of a thematic plus a mechanical element for your character and your kinblade is actually like a bonded thing like because one yeah. of your bonds you're going to choose is like with this kin kin kinblade which implies that there's some sort of sentience to this weapon right yeah
1: which i love that's very like elric sort of like a sword that has a will of its own sort of thing and uh that too like has some sort of like ready-made baked in conflict where it's like (laughs) yeah i've got this cool sword but like it is like it talks to me sometimes or like i get weird dreams sometimes or like you know there's a lot of weird stuff to play with there so
0: yeah very cool um, and one thing you'll notice, too, just in terms of character creation, the, the primary sort of aspects of your character, are the assets, which we're talking about now, there's mm-hmm. also stats. Um, your character has five stats. We'll talk about those in a minute. Um, another bit of feedback I've gotten from people is that they, there's a general sort of preference, I think, to start with your assets before your stats, just because you yeah. can sort of a lot of the a lot of assets are sort of stat driven, so and they're a little bit more evocative, a little bit more thematic. So it's a little bit easier to sort of think about stats in the context of assets than vice versa. So that's typically what I'd recommend is like you know set your stats, your character stats based on sort of how that is all coming together. Does that sound good?
1: Yeah, totally. And that that's like the keen the ritual that I picked requires me to roll heart, and so that's yep. knowing that when I go into generating my stats or or, or allotting my stats rather. I will want to have some fairly decent heart so that I can utilize that ritual to the best of my ability.
0: Exactly. All right. Did you have any thoughts on a third asset?
1: Yeah. Well, we had talked last time about potentially like finding a beast of some kind on this battlefield Mm -hmm. and and taking it uh, with us. And initially, I was thinking maybe a mammoth, but then I was thinking that that kind of creates more problems than it solves (laughs) because we're probably going to be traveling around going to different settlements and stuff and i i don't really want to have to worry about like okay where are we putting them like where, <laughs> where
0: where'd you park the mammoth yeah
1: where'd we park the mammoth so uh <laughs> i was thinking i was looking through the assets and maybe um you had mentioned last time having wyverns be like war beasts mm-hmm. um so maybe we find a young wyvern which is a asset option here in the companions maybe we find a young wyvern and me, being somewhat of a beast myself, an outcast, an exile, maybe I, f- I feel a kind of kinship with this with this young Wyvern who is a survivor of this battle, just like we are, and maybe I decide to take it with us.
0: Yeah, I like that a lot. I think that uh, is a good fit. A little bit easier maybe to work with, it's just like narratively, um, yeah. just tromping around the countryside and such. Maybe needing to move at speed, which mammoths are not known not for, I don't at. think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And that, that also is a potential bond for me as well, a character bond for me as well, having a bond with my uh with my Wyvern. So Yep.
0: Uh and so when you uh pick a companion asset, uh most assets have a default ability. So mm-hmm. assets have three abilities. One is typically Marked by default. So that's your starting ability. And then as you gain experience in the game, you upgrade assets by marking additional abilities. It's a little bit cheaper to upgrade an asset than it is to buy a new asset. So there's a little yeah. bit of encouragement in the game to spend two experience on an upgrade versus three experience on a new asset. So you sort of add new new flavors and and um, advantages to a particular asset by doing those upgrades. Um, And companions are a little bit different than most in that you actually sort of pick what is your starting ability.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to have to think about that because I've got three really cool options. So I think that'll be a decision I make here in a little while.
0: Okay. And I think the choice sort of drives a little bit of, like, the narrative background of this Wyvern. Like, was it just a pup that hasn't been, like, trained? Has it been trained to do something? Like, what's its role? Totally. Give those a look, and we'll sort of get that ironed out. Yeah. So, for me, I said said last episode that my go-to character is, like, the, for whatever reason, like, the battle-scarred, sort of grizzled veteran. I think, Mm -hmm. like, a lot of the fiction I read, like, the people who've sort of, like, living with the ghosts of their past, if you will, and- Mm -hmm the old veterans who have to come back into the fight and things like that. So on one hand, I'm trying to like fight the instinct to go with the old standby. And the other, <laughs> it's like putting on a nice, comfortable uh, robe and settling totally. in.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I also think it potentially has some nice sort of interplay between me and you in terms of like <laughs> yeah. my character who's, this has been their life versus yours that has been probably a little bit just like forced into this life by virtue of like who you are and circumstances and what your abilities are like totally. what else are you gonna do right um, yeah two sort of like perspectives on what it means to sort of be in a war band and to potentially sort of take on these vows
1: yeah well and potentially you you fighting because it's your clan and me fighting because it's just the best option that i have sort of thing yep yeah.
0: So one one asset that instantly sort of calls to me just sort of based on where we're at in terms of our story is something that's called Bannersworn, which is a path. Bannersworn is activated by marking a bond with a leader of faction. So that would mean that one of my background bonds that I mark at the beginning of the game here is probably with either the sort of the faction or who represents our clan chief, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which we can sort of talk through a little bit in terms of the background. And then that gives me some bonuses as I... Uh, interact with other members of my war band, or, or when I'm actively sort of serving the purposes of my war band. So I think that fits both what I'm envisioning for this character, is sort of like the grizzled old warrior, as well as what we've established of the importance of war bands in our setting.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great.
0: From there, I sort of go to thinking about combat talents because I'm talking about somebody who's like probably somewhat combat adept. So yeah. I might as well lean into that and make sure I've got an appropriate combat talent to deal with in fights. I'm thinking either swordmaster, which is thematically, it's just somebody who's adept with a sword as well as sort of using a sword to fill right. the, fuel their vows. Sunderer, which is sort of an axe wielder. So that l- lends it a little bit more of like a Nordic sort of flavor. mm mm-hmm. And shield bearer, which is somebody who just like depends on their shield in a fight. Yeah. And I'm actually leaning toward the latter of those options.
1: Toward shield bearer? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great.
0: It gives me a little bit of weapon flexibility for like my primary weapon, especially if we're yeah. having to sort of scavenge stuff at the start of the fight. And I could pick up any old sort of crack shield and like use yeah. it.
1: Plays into like being in a shield wall and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. And it yeah. sort of says something about my about my sort of fighting style, right? That I sort of rely on defense and protecting my kin and um, using the shield as for both, you know, defense and for uh, offense to some degree. So yeah, that's great. That's what I'm going to go with there. Cool. And for my third ability, so few choices. I definitely don't want to go with a ritual because I think we've narratively, we sort of like put that in your court magic isn't something I'm going to be able to perform. So that gets those out of the selection. I've got things like veteran as a path, which is somebody who's combat experienced. I've got slayer, which is kind of interesting in our setting because that's kind of the beast hunter archetype. And maybe there's somebody within combat, within the war bands that sort of specializes in taking down beasts since beasts are an important aspect of these war bands. And you need to take those out in order to be able to win a battle. Yeah, that's a cool idea. But I've also got this story weaver, which is a path, and that's somebody who finds their place in the world by the stories they tell. Like, hmm. like I sort of like that idea because then it's like carrying this. Like, I envision these war bands as something that has now sort of risen up based on what the war bands used to be in the old world, which was right. bigger, bolder legends. I like the idea of the banners we carry having some importance, and we actually like tell these stories of like the legends of the old world war bands to try to give ourselves some pride and in, in what is probably like somewhat of a hard scrabble's like reality for the war bands these days yeah,
1: that's a cool idea that kind of that kind of adds an interesting edge to the like grizzled veteran sort of archetype
0: yeah i agree it sort of gives them a little bit of flavor right so i think that's where i'm gonna go i'm gonna go story weaver as my path i'm gonna go uh shield bearer as my combat talent. And then the other path I'm going to take is, is banner sworn. I think that gives me some good
1: flavor. Yeah. I love that. Neat.
0: Do you take a look at your wyvern for your default ability or you want to let that sit a little bit longer?
1: So I think I'm going to do the insatiable. Um, Mm -hmm. This is the first option here. Uh, When you undertake a journey and score a hit, you can suffer minus one supply in exchange for plus one momentum. And, so that is basically like, narratively, that's saying like, uh, you can go a little bit faster if you feed your wyvern, which I like that idea. Because it's a young wyvern, it's a growing wyvern, and so I imagine that it is hungry all the time. So I
0: yeah, I imagine we're going to have to be like constantly hiding hunting and foraging yeah. for food just to keep this thing like going. And totally. I like that too because it's sort of like I think it fits for what we're envisioning for the size of this thing, and it sort of serves as a little bit of a scout for us, right? The reason we move yeah. faster is that we're basically like letting this thing take the lead a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. And neither of us have taken like outdoor centric skills. Yeah. Which is going to leave a little bit of a gap in our abilities and make mm-hmm. like journeys and resupply a little tough so i think yeah. that's good to have this guy uh, on point if you will for that yeah
1: time. so i think it's it's both useful and flavorful i feel so that's what i'm gonna go with okay
0: great Ironsworn has five stats um the stats are edge which represents quickness agility and prowess in range combat it's heart, which represents courage, willpower, empathy, sociability, and loyalty. Iron is physical strength, endurance, aggressiveness, and prowess in close combat. There's shadow, which is sneakiness, deceptiveness, and cunning. So in a typical sort of RPG archetype would be like the rogue type character. Totally. It could be like a charisma-centric char- sort of character that depends on sort of like lies and subterfuge. Yeah. And then there's wits, which is uh, expertise, knowledge, and observation.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking I'm probably going to go pretty decent with heart and wits. Heart because that's what my ritual depends upon. And wits just because I enjoy playing like a clever sort of cunning character. So I think, I don't know if heart is going to be my my highest stat, but it's definitely going to be at least... Uh, a two, I think.
0: I'm going to go three in iron. Yeah. I'm going to, three is my favorite stat. When you assign stats, you basically create a stat array, which is three, two, two, one, one among your five stats. So you have one favorite stat, which is your plus three stat. And then um, two stats at two and two stats at one. Yeah. And I'm going to go heart with one of my twos. I think that fits my storyteller and being somewhat yeah sociable in that
1: regard, right?
0: Mm-hmm. That is a nice little offset for my favoring iron. And then I think I'll pick one of my ones right now and I'm gonna go I'm gonna go edge one. My preference in a fight is not gonna be to like avoid hits. It's gonna be to be in the mix using my shield, right? Just yeah. using pure physical fortitude to withstand blows. So I think that, that fits a character to go with one edge there. How about you? Where are you starting at? Apart from your heart.
1: I kind of want a little bit of shadow to play Mm -hmm. with um, Mm -hmm. because I like the idea, you know, me being an outcast and kind of mistrusted by people. I imagine that I probably had to survive
0: just sort of based on low profile. Yeah,
1: yeah. Having to kind of keep a low profile, sneak around a little bit, maybe even be a little bit deceptive in how I present myself. And so I think I might put one of my twos in shadow. And I think my three is going to go, I think my three is going to go in heart. Okay. So actually, I mentioned that I wanted decent wits, but I think my wits is going to be one. Oh wow! Because I think I want somewhat decent iron because I I'm a sword fighter.
0: Yeah, you know, I think I might go two in wits because I think that fits a character who's maybe a little bit more of a leadership role in the company. Maybe yeah, just because he's been there yeah. so long, and so
1: I think I think that works. Well, and you know, I now that I think about it, I'm I'm actually realizing that if. I'm imagining my character is a little bit younger, mm-hmm. probably a little bit more naive and less experienced, and has probably maybe relied a little bit too much on his sword and his magic to get by. And mm-hmm. so maybe my, my wits being low is a feature, not a bug. Yeah, I think yeah. it works. So I ended up with Edge 1, Heart 3, Iron 2, Shadow 2, Wits 1.
0: That sounds great. I'm, gonna, I'm going to finish off with Shadow 1, which I think fits my guy to a T.
1: yeah.
0: Definitely. So I've got Heart 2, Edge 1, Iron 3, Shadow 1, and Wits 2. Cool.
1: Yeah, we got a nice kind of balance there. All right. Apart from that, for setting a character, your character has
0: a few other sort of mechanical uh, bits and bobs. Uh, there are what we call uh, tracks. Um, there are four tracks total, Health, Spirit, Supply, and Momentum. Health, spirit, and supply all start at plus five, go down to zero, and they help fuel some moves that check against you know those three things. How's your health? How's your spirit? How much supply do you have? Supply is an abstract representation of your gear, your rations, all the sort of mundane stuff that in maybe some RPGs, you sort of track all the individual's coins and number of arrows and number of rations and this, that's all abstracted and boiled up into supply. And something interesting about playing co-op is that we actually share our supply track. So our supply will always go up and down together because we're sort of depending upon that same pool. There's an assumption that we're not both sort of hoarding our own stuff, that they're part of that community traveling
1: kit that we're using. We're all eating the same Lembus bread. Exactly.
0: And then momentum, which in Iron Soren, that sort of represents the rise and fall of your fortunes. You can use momentum to offset uh, bad moves, or it might impact you if your momentum is low and negatively impact your moves. Um, and a lot of the yeah. abilities that we talked about in terms of these assets actually sort of fuel momentum. Yeah. And we'll look at all that sort of in action um, in a little bit. Background bonds. I think we both have at least one or two of those already defined, right?
1: Yeah, I definitely one of my bonds is definitely going to be this sword. I think that's that's a no brainer. I think.
0: Yep. Um, and I've got a bond. Let's talk about this briefly. Like, so we've got this war band. Uh, is there an assumption that our war band is like not a free agent? It's under a clan chief. Is that what we want to decide?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it's definitely uh, a clan chief situation, and I think that. You're likely of this clan. You've yeah. fought for this clan probably your entire life, and I am more of a not necessarily a sellsword, but I have come to this clan from outside of it, um, uh, by way of just the the skills that I have at my disposal. I imagine that me being a, a descendant of the skald probably I'm not welcome in in many clans just by virtue of my of my heritage. Um and so I'm a member of this war band because the clan chief had me join, probably promised me something or made an offer or even just said, you can live here. And I promise people won't try to run you out of town if you fight for me sort of thing.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. So let's um let's define a little bit like our clan chief in this war band, just so I could think a little bit about sort of like what that means in terms of my character bonds. And that might give us a little bit of fuel for the engine of our story as well. Yeah. So I envision, although our, our, I think, I think our war band has seen better days. I think we've decided, because I think we're both sort of picturing this opening scene with us sort of like stumbling through the smoke and, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Remains of our once maybe not so mighty, but still, uh, alive war band. Yeah. So, I would I envision our clan chief not necessarily being with us in this battle, still being alive, still being a factor in our story.
1: Yeah, it might even be that our first sort of journey is making it back to the clan chief to tell him what happened.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that works. And that's a nice yeah. sort of uh, easable, easily uh, sort of achievable vow in the context of our yeah. little mini campaign here. Yep. So, let's give this clan chief a name just so I can.
1: Ooh, can I roll on the on the name or yeah here. please do this is uh one of my favorite features of iron sworn is all the oracles which are just there's just dozens and dozens of roll tables that help you uh envision things and and create ideas and stuff and because the game's sort of designed to play by yourself or with others without a GM, it's really helpful to have those sort of tools. So that's so
0: why the podcast here is called Ask the Oracle, one of the key sort of actions you take in Iron Sworn is asking the Oracle, which means like my question right now is, gee, what's my clan chief's? Name, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, we're going to ask that question. We might ask one or two other questions about the clan chief to sort of understand uh, their nature. And so, instead of turning to the GM and ask that, because we're playing without a GM, we depend upon these random tables to to answer those questions. We can also just come up with the answers ourselves. That's the first choice when you ask the oracle is just like, you know, what's the answer? Just define it based on sort of the current situation, what you know of the world. But in this case, it's fun to roll on a table and see what we get. Yeah.
1: So, I rolled. 75. Mm-hmm. And the name that I'm looking at here is Satara, which is really cool. I really like that name. And I think that means that our clan chief is a woman.
0: Yep. I like that name as well. I picture her as unusually young for a clan chief.
1: Yeah. Maybe she's inherited the role before she's sort of fully matured into it maybe or uh, maybe she's a
0: little bit of a joan the ark maybe she's a little bit of like a uh prodigy like a clan oh, chief yeah. prodigy like she's just she's gotten this role through wits and guile right like yeah yeah she totally like i'm heartbroken to have disappointed her in this
1: battle <laughs> i like that yeah that's cool i like that idea so she's sort of a joan of arc figure yeah which probably paints a big target on her back with other clan chiefs because she might seem at first to be an easy target being so young and so untested. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's, in fact, pretty cunning and brilliant tactici- tactician. Yeah, I love all that.
0: So for my character, that's a background bond, which I'm going to mark right now, Sitara. Mm-hmm. I'm also thinking that I, I don't know, I sort of like the idea of like th- this charismatic clan leader. Like maybe I, maybe I'm actually new to this War band because I've I'm following her, and that's where my bond oh, yeah. is. and that's where my duty is 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 to her, you know,
1: that's kind of cool, yeah,
0: and that gives me something to hang on to, even if like the war band itself is like decimated, right? like right. gives me something to work towards. So that's what I'm gonna say for the moment. so that's that's a uh, one background bond for me,
1: I think that I have a background bond with her as well because I think that. I value and respect her and am indebted to her because she's the first person that has given me a home. And even though I am still somewhat feared and reviled among my comrades in the warband, I think that Sitara is the first person that has shown me mercy and hospitality and given me somewhat of a purpose. And so I think I feel indebted to her, like I owe her something.
0: Yeah, that's great. So I think we're forming a little bit of a vision of this character who's somewhat charismatic, empathetic, like a natural sort of born leader, right?
1: Um, yeah, yeah, totally. Hopefully.
0: Uh Iron has a way of throwing wrenches in those narrative works. Like you never know what an oracle she might might be prompt in terms of her true nature. But yeah. <laughs> for now, I think we'll go with that. I think that's great. Yeah. And another thing I just did was I I just um I asked the Oracle like what is her like primary goal, right? So mm-hmm. Uh, I rolled that on the character goal table, and I came up with advanced status. Oh. To me, that means that either she's trying to advance her status, or maybe more that better fits what we're envisioning for a character, like her people sort of role in, in, in the world, right? Like yeah she's more she's a little bit less focused on like her notoriety or fame or holdings or power and more on like guiding her people
1: we're like a minor clan that is sort of like a sort of an underdog we're not well known we've never we we're meager we're not valued um we don't have like a seat at the table in the greater like theater of like ironland politics and so she envisions like a greater purpose for our clan and like uh, a, a better future for her people. I yep. like that. That makes her like very like like a sympathetic character, which I like.
0: Yep, totally agree. So I think you've got two of your bonds worked out, right? So typically, when you're when you're starting up a campaign, starting a character, I suggest not getting too hung up on background bonds if you're sort of struggling mm-hmm. a little bit. It's nice to sort of introduce those things in the story to just decide, oh, I know this like herbalist who lives in this haunted wood over here, right? So let's go there to deal with this thing we're dealing with or whatever. And then you just right. you introduce a little bit of backstory for your character and then introduce that character bond. That's fine. It's nice to sort of flesh those things out in context, but it's also fine if you've got sort of strong ideas around all three background bonds to start with all three.
1: Yeah, totally. I'm going to keep it to two, I think, for now. I think that I'll likely develop more of a bond with my wyvern and potentially with you as a as a comrade
0: okay um, so I'm going to do a second bond I'm going to do a bond with my home settlement for now I just want to give myself a little bit of a hometown that could potentially be a yeah. place that we journey to if we need to recover from our
1: adventures in the wild totally I love
0: that and I rolled on the settlement name generator I got your settlement is named after a historical event and another role within the examples gives me rockfall
1: oh cool so maybe this settlement is, uh, there was like a avalanche or like a big piece of a mountain fell off and the settlement sort of built up around that.
0: Yeah, I like that idea. Like it's sitting there like amid this huge, like a, a mountain was sheared away in a huge yeah. rockfall, right? Or something like that. That sort of leads me to like the geographical location of my settlement too, which- would be up further north toward mm-hmm. the mountains. Uh, there's a few regions within the Ironlands that are sort of loosely defined in the book. So that's one of the things we'll talk about as we start our story here is where is our story starting and what region, what's the sort of general like geopolitical, you know, situation yeah. happening there, I guess. And then I'll leave my third bond just blank for the moment. Give that some thought. Maybe there's somebody some somebody I know, maybe there's some former like compatriot from a previous war band or something like that.
1: yeah sounds good. Yeah, I like that we're we're both leaving our third bond open. So then that allows us to have a little bit of flexibility in our character backstories and stuff. And uh, like you said, like a character that you know, like, we could get to a point in the story where we're, we're kind of wondering where to go next or what to do next. And it's like, well, you know, maybe my character knows uh, a Smithy in this town, and we can go talk to him and see you know, if he can help us out or something like that. And that can yeah. become a bond for you.
0: Sounds great. Okay. So another aspect of our characters that we want to think through, and that's the background vow. So this is the sort of thing that's sitting in the background So it sort of predates whatever the inciting incident is for this event that we're dealing with in the present and near future of our campaign. It sort of represents like, what is your character's sort of foundational motivation and goal? And it seems to me, I'm a little bit like tied up in terms of my motivations around seeing Satara be, successful right see Satara as the one true ruler of the iron lands so I'm gonna mark that as my background vow uh, background vows with an iron sworn um, and vows in general you give them a rank which sort of represents how difficult is this vow going to be to um, make progress on background vows you typically want to give them a high rank because they're something that you're going to make slow progress on at all. Maybe even in the course of the campaign, you're never going to see this thing done, right? It's just something that your character aspires to. It's sort of a lofty goal. Achievable or not, Like this is what is driving you into the situation you're in currently. So I'm going to give it, I'm going to get it epic because that sounds like that sounds like something that's going to be di- very difficult to achieve um, yeah. in the Iron Lands with a bunch of squabbling clans and squabbling war chiefs with a clan that... Maybe is not have that much notoriety to begin with. That somehow she's gonna rule over all the land, right?
1: Yeah. Well, and in a bittersweet, if you're an old grizzled veteran and she's kind of a young, just starting out, like you probably won't live to see her achieve what she's setting out to achieve. So that's
0: this is probably not even something she aspires to. It's just something that I
1: envision for her because I think
0: it's something that she um, maybe I've maybe I've had a dream, maybe I've seen a vision of like this is this is her future, you know? Yeah. And I may not be there to see it, but but I'm going to do what I can while I'm still alive. Yeah. What about you?
1: So I'm I'm kind of thinking. And actually, what what kind of inspired this was? I was looking at my blade bound path, and mm-hmm. I chose I chose the ability for it because there's there's three abilities that you can choose from, and I chose the when you gather information and fail to score a strong hit, you may listen to the whispers of your kin blade for guidance and re-roll the dice. I just love that. I love a talking sword in any sort of. Yep. So my my vow is actually to uh return the blade to its where it's supposed to be. I don't want the sword anymore. I think that oh. I I've come to rely on it as a as a weapon, as a companion, but I think that ultimately it is I think that as I've integrated into this plan, Satara has welcomed me and given me a home. I think I don't need it anymore. And I think that My ultimate goal is I would like to just settle down and be a regular person and not have this weird talking sword help me survive. And so ultimately, I want to find where this a safe place, a resting place for this sword and return it to where it's supposed to go, which, again, is a lofty goal that we probably won't see achieved in this campaign, but.
0: Yeah, and you don't even know like where does it go, like you know, you yep. don't understand its purpose, like. But this is th- there's a push and pull between you and the the blade that that you're fighting. Yeah, eventually you want to be free of it. Totally, that's great.
1: Yeah, I think that it's it is uh, it has helped me survive, but ultimately it is I don't need it anymore, uh, or I don't want to need it anymore. I think.
0: All right, that's awesome. So uh, taking a look at our character creation summary on page forty seven of the Ironsborne rulebook, which is a quick sort of summary of the various sort of mechanical bits and narrative bits you're dealing with when you make a character. Uh step one is envision your character. Done. I think we both have a pretty good sort of sense of who our character are. It's a, you know, it's a broad sense, certainly. We're not both writing multi-page summaries of their background and hopes and dreams and <laughs> filling out their dream journal or anything like that. But, you know, I think we've got a good sort of starting place and then we can sort of flesh them out and play. That's my preferred sort of format. Keep yeah. it loose.
1: I really like to discover my character by playing them and finding out more about them
0: uh we want to set our stats done uh we want to put our health spirit and supply tracks to plus five uh, which we've done on our character sheets we set our momentum to plus two that's our starting momentum we'll sort of look at how that works mechanically as we dive into play we mark up to three background bonds we've got those we pick three assets we've got those make note of any important equipment or items um I think we'll think about that just as sort of as we're thinking about sort of our initial scene, because I think we picture ourselves part of this warband. We probably have access to, you know, weapons and and basic equipment and and equipping ourselves for travel. But um, uh, I don't really picture anything necessarily special for my character. Uh, you've also got your sword, which is sort of a key aspect of your character that we already know about. Set your background vow. Give it a rank of extreme or epic, which we've done um and then choose a name which we uh both
1: haven't done yet have
0: you given any thought to a name
1: i just did um yep. i actually i rolled and uh kind of fittingly weirdly i rolled sitara so i went what? over i went over to the other other table because there's two that's a 1d for,
0: 100 result by the way yes so that's,
1: yeah the chances of that are very slim right. uh and one, in,
0: one in 100 if i know my math
1: I rolled seventy five, yeah. So I went, I went over to the other Ironlander names table, and the name over there is Kamar Q A M A R. So feels I really like right. Kamar, um, and I think that uh, I know that Ironlanders don't have surnames, but I think that uh, derogatively I am known as Kamar Sculdborn. Oh, uh, love it. So I don't, I don't prefer people to refer to me as Skuldborn, but. Uh, that's sort of the the name that is attached to me knowing my heritage. That's great. What about you? Uh I rolled as well and I got Torgon,
0: which I love sounds oh, like yeah. a good fit for this character. So That's I'm pretty perfect. I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah. So Torgon is my name. T o r g a n. Cool. Um I don't, I think I just go by Torgon. I don't think I go. Yeah.
1: Don't call me Torg. Yeah. Uh, I don't like <laughs> Torgy boy. Torgi <laughs> that's what I'll call you.
0: And that's our that's our characters. I'm feeling pretty, pretty good about that.
1: I'm excited. I can't wait to start playing here. That'll be I'm excited about these characters and I can't wait to see them interact. So I think that's a good example of like, we went through the world building exercise.
0: We glommed onto some particular things that sort of like spoke to us and potential sort of like detail and texture of the world that fueled our characters in terms of like, what sort of archetypes do we need to sort of fit that vision for the world and what's going on and what the challenges and situation might be. And then, you know, how do we sort of like, for a co-op campaign specifically, are we going to create characters that have some interesting sort of synergy going on, right? And I think Mm -hmm. we... I think we checked all those boxes really well. Um, and what I'd like to do before we sign off of this um, session is like do a quick bit of seed setting, actually make a move um, to set up the full-on session where we're actually sort of going to dive in and put these guys on stage and see what happens. Yeah. So we've talked about the fact that we're potentially the survivor, survivors of this battle. Or So what's your sense of things? Are we like... I'm sort of leaning into it. Just feels more dramatic for like we're what's left. Like we're it. Yeah,
1: I think that uh, that it was a, a small war band, maybe even mm-hmm. like a scouting party or a forward sort of force. Um, we were caught unaware, ambushed, and completely wiped out, except for you, me, and this wyvern.
0: And is the is the like the entire? Is there more war band than just us?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think okay. that there's probably like a greater war band that we were maybe uh, a smaller force of, mm-hmm. um, maybe even back at the settlement or there elsewhere. Um, but yeah, I think that there are more soldiers, but of this particular force, we're the only ones left. Okay, um, I like that. Well, and I don't know, I don't know why, but I, I kind of want maybe an Iron Pillar to be involved in what took us out. Mm -hmm. maybe the force that ambushed us has an iron pillar that they have made mobile and it's almost like an Ark of the covenant type thing where they like were able to like activate it somehow this might be a little too like high magic but i just kind of love the idea that like something happened that we don't quite understand with an iron pillar and we like woke up on the battlefield just like covered in like blood and ash and we're the only people left because i love the like kind of esoteric like weird nature of the iron pillars and we've kind of hinted at the fact that maybe they're sort of like activating so maybe some something happened with an iron pillar and we're the only survivors
0: i actually like that a lot cool i i picture them like maybe this is something they recovered in some like deep mine or ruin or something like that like that's why it's different than these like iron pillars which are fixed to the ground right yeah um maybe it maybe it actually like is a levitating thing and some mystic within this warband somehow has uh control over this thing or is yeah. communicating with it in some fashion that we don't even understand and obviously we don't
1: have any of that background but i think that's uh some cool sort of potential to explore yeah cool awesome i'm glad you dig that
0: Okay, so what seemed like a mundane battle, maybe was this a? I think you said we were ambushed, right? Potentially by this. Yeah,
1: thing? or like caught, like just we were outmaneuvered and we got caught, like getting pincered by you know this warband or something. We were just like outmaneuvered uh, and got flanked.
0: And I picture the I picture the scene where we have the upper hand in this battle, right? Mm-hmm. Everything going our way, just another Tuesday for us. Yeah, you know, right. And then all of a sudden comes rolling up, like there's this thrum noise that we first sort of feel in our teeth and our bones, right? Yeah. And then they come rolling up with this levitating pillar.
1: Yeah. And It's like the return of the king when the Rohirrim charged to the orcs, and then they hear the horns and they look and the, the Mooma killer charge it in, and it's like, uh-oh.
0: Yeah. And then this thing emits something and we remember nothing else.
1: Like. Yeah. We succumb like, to darkness. Yeah, like I imagine like I, I wake up on the battlefield and I'm like just looking for my sword because I dropped it somewhere. Yeah. Uh,
0: and what has become of our fellows? Are they just like dead without visible wounds? Are they reduced to ash? Are they, have they become something else? Like what's, what's the deal?
1: I kind of like the idea that they were like turned to ash. Like uh, that the ash is just falling like snow on this battlefield. Uh, I like that as well.
0: We were able to avoid this because for no apparent reason, or is there some reason that it didn't affect us?
1: Maybe we don't know. Maybe that's something that we have to find out. Maybe it has to do with my sword or your shield or just The nature of us uh and maybe we were close to each other on the battlefield
0: i like this potentially being tied to your sword dude that's totally
1: amazing so maybe my sword somehow protected the two of us because maybe you and i were fighting like back to back side by side sort of as this happened
0: yeah that's great
1: yeah i actually just asked
0: as as we were talking there i just asked the uh oracle i rolled on the theme table Mm -hmm. um the uh, first two oracles in the original rulebook are called Action a Theme, and they're just sort of like abstract like prompts that you sort of interpret based on the current situation. Yeah, um, They're great at like fueling creativity. They don't give you specific answers. They just give you like a couple of like vague things that you often sort of spookily apply to the current situation. So I rolled and yeah. I got destiny
1: for why we weren't killed. So Oh, man, that's... Kind of, that is spooky.
0: That, that's appropriately like <laughs> vague. Like, we don't know, but there's got to be a reason, right? There's a so, reason. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. If everybody was just sort of blown away, turned to ash, are we like captured? Or are we left behind as this thing was sort of rolling forward and they didn't even notice that we were still alive or what happened there?
1: Yeah. I think we were so covered in the ash of our comrades that they just didn't notice us and like maybe
0: it's stuff. not maybe it's not just them that turns to ash but like the grass the trees,
1: yeah like just everything like, dies yeah it's like creates this like blighted feel
0: but for some reason the opposing force who's in control of this thing doesn't touch them, and for some reason didn't touch us
1: yeah yeah so they just like they move on like all right that's done like we're gonna go you know do the next thing or whatever and like the first like shot is one of us like like emerging out of the ash like yeah. taking our first breath as we wake up
0: that is totally it so i envision myself still clutching the remains of an axe which is now just like a bit of a handle because the the everything iron was completely blasted by this thing right yeah
1: yeah so mm-hmm.
0: i'm clutching this axe i'm clutching the remains of my ironbound shield that is just now just like hanging in pieces right and i come up out of the ash and i'm looking around and i'm completely unaware of what has happened this is hours later yeah night is now falling the the enemy force has moved on and we'll talk about
1: maybe next next session like who these people are like who they are yeah what the clan is yeah but yeah i
0: love the i love the idea of this is apocalyptic
1: surroundings right yeah and the
0: pure sort of devastation and power of this thing yeah and then i see you You've been, you've, you've woken up. We haven't done the movie thing where we woke up at the exact same moment. You've been surfaced for a bit and maybe didn't even know that I was still amid the waste there. Yeah. What have, what have you been doing in the meanwhile?
1: The first thing I did when I woke up was I had to find my sword. And so I'm kind of like, sifting through the ash looking for my sword and seeing like I just I keep finding like hilts of swords that are just with the with the blades just blown and so I keep finding these hilts of swords and I'm bits of bone and yeah bits of bits bone of and fr- fragments of clothing and armor and I uh, eventually just hear this like whisper here and I like look over and my sword is kind of sitting on the ground over there and so I stumble over and grab it out and see that it's perfect. It's completely unmarred, untouched. uh, And the runes on the blade are maybe even glowing just very dimly, sort of fading out as if its magic has been activated. And I will return it to its sheath and then maybe just kind of like start wandering around, stumbling around. And maybe that's when I come upon you emerging from the ash.
0: And I'm stumbling through floating ash. So we see this like twilight, smoky, ashy, can barely make out the background and I'm stumbling through it. There's ash covering my face. Clothes almost gone on me. Just tatters of clothing hanging there. And I see you and I don't even think there's words, right? Like, it's just like, this is unknown to my Mm -hmm. experience. I have no idea what has happened. I I can't even sort of comprehend that what's around me represents my my work in. Now just reduced to ash. Some of these people, I fought many battles with them and I've depended upon them and the shield wall side by side. And and now there's nothing left of them. Nothing but the stories I'll tell. Yeah. And I see you and my first thing is, my first thing is suspicion, Mm -hmm. right? What role do you have in this? I march toward you and there's like fear and anger in my eyes. I'm coming toward you, still clutching the, the remains of this axe, like raising it as if there's like some phantom axe there that <laughs> I'm ready to bring down if I need to. Yeah. So it's just like confusion and fear and anger. And you're there and you represent to me the same thing of this unknown, unknowable mysteries and powers.
1: Yeah, I would see you. Well, first I would probably just see your silhouette through the ash kind of staggering towards me, and my first instinct would be to draw the sword off my back and have it kind of in front of me just defensively, and then as you as you stumble through the ash and I see you, I maybe even see the tattered, the symbol of our clan sort of on your armor, and I would sort of ease a little bit, and then I would see that it's you, someone that I've fought beside a lot, and I would I would call out to you and call your name and resheathe my sword, and as you come forward and I see that you kind of have this like madness in your eyes and you're holding your ax, I would maybe hold up my hands a little bit, sort of, uh whoa.
0: And I come to myself a little bit as I near you. I recognize that even though we started from a place of distrust or suspicion, that you've proven yourself many times, Proven your loyalty, proven your skills, and I sense that there is more work here. I have survived it for all you have survived. I don't know why. So I just I stop, and I just look around, and I'm, I see at my foot I see like the remains of a skull. I see the torn tabard of somebody that I I knew that I once fought beside. I shake my head in disbelief, and I say, "What is this? What has happened here?"
1: I don't know that thing it the pillar,
0: the black pillar. I I remember every bone in my body singing
1: with pain and then blackness that's all i remember too that black pillar crested the hill and there was a sound and then nothing it's almost night at least i think it is we must have been out for a few hours
0: there's no stories that tell me of this level of destruction of death. No. In an instant, all of them, I kick the skull, skips across
1: the ground, settles back into the ash. Sitara must know of this, must know of the power that our enemy wields, and we must prepare accordingly. And with that, my gaze turns
0: hard. I see in the distance, beyond what I'm now recognizing, just in the ashy twilight laden distance. I see that there's a it's almost a perfect circle, right? Mm. This destruction. Yeah. And then it just ends. And beyond that circle, I see the camp we had set up before we were attacked and our wagons and there's no horses there. They seem to all be gone, run off or dead, I don't know. But there's one thing on that wagon that I'm I've fixed my eye to. And I go marching toward it, moving quick through the ash, kicking up the ash and flurries like black snow, and on that wagon is is the banner of our war band, fixed to an iron pole. And I march toward it. I march beyond the circumference of this death and destruction and ash and I grab the banner in one hand and I raise it up and I look to you.
1: I sort of watch you raise up this banner and then I I look back at the destruction and I, I see that it's this kind of perfect circle and I see that the ash is kind of lifting up in a column and I kind of look up the sky and then look back down to the ground and almost wonder like if the pillar like called something down onto the battlefield and left that scorch there but think uh that's a riddle for another day and as we're standing there and you're holding that banner i hear this like distant cry from deeper in the camp what was that
0: I turn as well. I recognize that sound. I've heard it many times, but I let it sit for a moment because there's something I need to do. Still holding the banner,
1: I drop to one knee and I take it in both hands and I nod to you. I also drop to my knees beside you. I place my hand on the banner that is stained gray with the ash that is sort of floating by.
0: And this is the trigger for a move, which we'll make right now. And Ironsworn uses moves, which are basically mechanical and narrative representation of the actions your character is taking in the game. When you make an action in the game, when you do a thing that triggers a move, then you look to that move for the result of your action. They're just self-encapsulated mechanical bits that tell you how to resolve an action and help guide you in terms of what the outcome is. So this is one of the key moves of the game, which is swear an iron vow. Trigger for this is when you swear upon iron to complete a quest, write your vow and give the quest a rank. And that's what we want to do. And my, my quest is going to be to return the fallen banner to Satara. I think that represents like our initial goal of carrying the news. Yep. I'm going to call this, seems like a fairly achievable vow. So I'm going to, I'm going to call this dangerous. There's five ranks you pick when you're swearing a vow. They are troublesome, dangerous, formidable, extreme, and epic. Those ranks were sort of represent how much time and within the world as well as at the table are you gonna spend fulfilling this vow? So write your vow, give it a rank, then roll plus heart. When you make a when you make an what's called an action roll in Iron Sworn, you're rolling three dice. You're rolling challenge dice, which are two d10s, and you're rolling an action die, which is a d6. So two ten-sided dice, one six-sided dice. The action die, you'll add your stat, you compare that to the challenge dice, the result of the challenge dice, and that tells you whether you got a, what's called a strong hit, weak hit, or a miss. Strong hit being the most favorable result, weak hit being a result with some sort of mitigating circumstances, a miss being the most sort of dire outcome where things go wrong. Uh, In this case, I rolled a six on my action die, I rolled a 10 and a three on my challenge dice. So adding my stat to my action die, I get nine, and comparing to my challenge dice, ten and three, that means I've got one one result that's less than my action score. So that's a weak hit. I would have had to be both those dice to get a strong hit. Uh, and I'm making this result both of in our in for both of us essentially, because mm. we're both sort of contributing to this. I could have had you make a move which called aid your ally to sort of reinforce this, but I just wanted to sort of make a single move here for the purposes of this session. So Often in Ironsworn, when you're playing a co-op campaign, there's moves that somebody sort of takes the leadership role, if you will, to sort of represent the fate of the the group or the party yeah. in this outcome. We look to the move to see the result. Uh, we kit tells me you're determined, but begin your quest with more questions and answers. Take plus one momentum and envision what you do to find a path forward. Obviously, we've got a lot of questions here. Yeah. But what I envision that means is that Satara and her or the, the warband are actually on the move right now. We're yeah. not quite sure where they are. Yep. Like we can't just go. Travel from A to B. We've got to figure out where the heck these guys are. Yeah. That's going to complicate our journey a little bit. So, yeah. So, this, you know, I feel that sort of thrum of energy through the the iron of uh, the banner as I swear this vow. I say it aloud. And then I, I pick up this banner. I'm going to carry it now with me the rest of the way. And we both turn to sort of seek out the source of the noise we heard, which appears to be the only sign of life in this
1: place. Yeah, I'm desperate to find out what happens next, but we'll have to wait until next time.
0: We and our eager listeners will just have to wait. So thank you, Matt, again, Yeah, uh, for joining me on this. Super fun. I think we have a super cool sort of setup so thanks everybody for listening really appreciate it i hope you'll stick with us through this campaign it might be a few sessions of us sort of completing this initial vow or it might be a periodic thing we return to over time we'll see how it goes and yeah. if anybody's uh, listening or if we're just crying into the void here <laughs> matt can you
1: remind us uh where folks can find you and your work on the internet yeah uh you can find the stuff that i publish over at absolute and i have a patreon at patreon.com slash matt click and you can find me on youtube as a fistful of dice where i run games occasionally
0: and I'm Sean Tomkin. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean Tompkin. That's S-H-A-W-N-T-O-M-K-I-N. For information on the Ironsworn RPG, uh, downloads, community resources, and links for print copies that you can purchase to support the game, please visit ironswornrpg.com. That's ironswornrpg.com. If you want to join the Ironsworn community... We'd love to have you join us. We have fairly active community hubs on Discord. Super friendly, like it's the most drama-free community you will ever encounter anywhere on the internet. I'm pretty sure there's been surveys. Also, I have presence on Reddit, Facebook, and other places. Uh, look at ironswornrpg.com resources to find your paths to those destinations. Till next time, thank you, everybody. May all your vows be fulfilled.